Welcome back to the Mummy Mayhem podcast. I'm your host, Steph, first time working mum of Nate, a happy one-year-old. I'm all about family first and adjusting to the selfless life of being a mum. I'm passionate about mindfulness and filling your cup first before you fill others. I love spending my days off adventuring with Nate and just living in the moment. Welcome back to the Mummy Mayhem podcast. This week is part two with midwife Jade. So I suggest if you haven't listened to part one, that you jump back an episode to episode 10 and listen in first. For those who are up to part two, this week we chat all things labor and pregnancy with midwife Jade. We chat about what to do when you and your midwife do not click. We chat about how Jade separates her own feelings and beliefs away from her professional views of supporting the woman. Uh, We also talk about how to best prepare your body for labor and bust the myths around that as well. We get a little juicy and talk about sex whilst pregnant and the effects of semen when you are heavily pregnant on the woman's body. We also talk about different pain relief methods available to you and when they are usually asked during labor from the pregnant lady. So think epidurals, morphine, and of course, expect to hear me chat about gas for the 100th time. (laughs) I definitely reminisce through this episode on my own birth and it's so nostalgic. So I can't wait for you to hear it all. Grab a cup of tea or coffee if you're like me and love a coffee and get comfy and listen in. Let's lighten things a little bit. Uh, So obviously there are people you can click with straight away um, and others you Mm -hmm. wouldn't usually socialize with at all. Mm -hmm. I remember the midwives in when I was in um, postnatal care saying to me Mm. what a lovely family I have and support network of Ricky and how I'm very lucky Mm. and Nate's going to be fine Mm. and things like that, which is all really reassuring. But I think they were kind of implying that it's not always the case. Um, (laughs) And I was just a bit like I never considered it like that as well. Um, So Mm. I know you do probably deal with all walks of life. How do you handle that? Um, I think... For me, being a midwife, like I've said, is about not having, is about separating yourself from the situation. So, yes, mm-hmm. you do come across um, women or families that you don't, I guess, click with or you don't get that bond with, mm-hmm. or they may do things that you think to yourself, I would never do that, or this yeah. is not what I believe in, or this is not something that I could imagine you know putting myself in but um being a midwife I feel is separating that you have to be able to separate your own beliefs and your own values um and just care for the woman and realize that it's fine if we have differing beliefs but this woman needs the same care that any other woman needs yeah and that is really hard to do that and it's it's hard to be able to get to that point where you can do it. Yeah. And obviously there are situations where 
you have, you know, you struggle a lot or I struggle a lot to put myself in their position or to, I guess, um, think of, or I guess I struggle a lot to say, you know, I, you I understand where they're yeah. coming from or I relate. Yeah, it is hard, but you get to that situation. Like you just, you, it eventually becomes second nature where you don't, you know, you go, yeah, I I don't agree with everything you're doing, but I support you because I'm here to support you and it doesn't matter what I believe in. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely think, you know, there are situations where you will care for a family and you just won't click. And if it becomes to the point where you guys, like the relationship is not healthy, then it's always better to um, speak to someone and to, I feel, to get, a different midwife to care for that woman because yeah. you don't want the relationship between you and the woman to be to the point where she's uncomfortable telling you something or she's uncomfortable asking for help and mm. they may click with a different midwife better so yeah. it does happen sometimes where you just need to say okay I think maybe we need to try a different midwife in here because they may get along better or they may click more and yeah that's okay and it's not about it's about not taking that to heart which is hard mm-hmm. because you want to you want to get along with everyone and you want to be able to care for everyone but sometimes it's just not going to be the case and yeah. if that's just, if that's going to have you know if it's going to help that woman to have a different midwife then why yeah. not try it you know yeah, I love yeah. that, definitely. And I think that's very admirable and um <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, refreshing to hear as well because um, there's lots of different midwives in the world again and I, I just yeah. kind of wish everyone was like you right now, you know. <laughs> that would be the perfect but that's world. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, like, every midwife is so different because you put your, I mean, you put your own, your, every, like, my heart and soul when in, is in my work, you know, yeah. and, being a midwife is so important to me and making sure women get the care they deserve is so important to me but mm-hmm. for other people it can be a completely different story and that's where you will get different midwives you'll always get different midwives just like you'll always get different I don't know doctors or different yeah. whatever different people everyone's different mm-hmm. so you're not you know you can have women or midwives with the same values but they can still practice differently yeah definitely individual to us yeah a hundred percent yeah um and then myth busting i've got a few Mm. questions for you um okay so in terms of inducing labor let's Mm -hmm. chat about that do you believe in things like curb hopping spicy food castor oil any of those things or <laughs> <laughs> um okay so yeah let's bust some myths um <laughs> castor oil is a in my opinion a big no-no that's a myth yeah um and it so castor oil works as a laxative for the woman oh. and it also can work as a laxative for the baby which means if women are taking castor oil, their baby can pass meconium while they're still in their uterus, which yep. gives them meconium-stained lipo, mm-hmm. which can then cause them to, you know, then that's just starting the intervention off, I guess, or starting the yeah. 
barrel effect off. So women with meconium stain lipor, we recommend CTGs during labour um, because some babies are at higher risk if they have meconium stain lipor. So yeah. castor oil, I don't recommend. <laughs> yeah. Um, spicy foods, um, not really here or there. You know, it's just I guess see it. Some women will try spicy foods; it does nothing for them. Like we don't recommend it when we're <laughs> speaking to women about natural methods of you know inducing labor or you know preparing your body for labor. We don't suggest um, spicy foods. The things we do recommend is um, having sex because yeah. sex, um, the, the sex will can release your oxytocin hormones, obviously, which is your love hormones, which mm. is what your body uses to help your uterus contract. But also the sperm, oh, sperm helps to soften the cervix. Mm -hmm. Because sperm has um, prostaglandins in it, which is what we use when we induce women, when we're giving you your prost, like when we do the prostin gel. Yeah. It's the same thing. So sperm mm -hmm. has pretty much the same thing that the prostin gel has in it. So if your midwife <laughs> recommends you to have sex, that's why. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and um, um, orgasms too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's the... The oxytocin hormones again. Yeah, love it. Hear yeah. that? Any mothers to be out there? <laughs> get on top of your man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and curb hopping. I don't. I suggest for women to go for walks mm -hmm. when they are trying to get their body prepared for labour. I suggest that they go for walks, and they can do um, one foot on the curb, one foot off and do that walk which helps to just bring baby it can help lower baby in the pelvis yeah so it's just doing like a little bit of a curb walk I guess to help lower baby into the pelvis and get your body prepared for labor yeah essentially your body's going to just go into labor when it's ready mm -hmm. so trying it's good to prepare your body like those things we just discussed but um yeah yeah no one can really tell you when it's gonna happen yeah okay I love that and another thing about um inductions would maybe be talking about stretch and stretch and sweep oh yeah because there's a bit of a um I mean stretch and sweeps are offered at the hospital usually from 40 weeks so when you come to the hospital you'll have an appointment at 40 weeks which is your due date obviously mm -hmm. um and we talk about stretch and sweeps then. So what that is, is um, we do an internal examination to see what the cervix is, how the cervix is changing. Yeah. And if we are able to, we will try to, um, we'll try to get um, the membranes off the cervix. So yeah. the, the membranes around baby's head, we will sort of do a little massage or stir up the, membranes between the um, cervix and baby's head and that just helps to mix up all of the hormones that are um, sitting there I guess but in yeah. saying that multiple stretches and sweeps can cause irritable uterus in women because yeah. they um, it's it, it's not necessarily bringing on labor it's just irritating the uterus which can cause this really long early stage of labor where 
women are contracting on and off for days mm-hmm. and even it can even weeks. go for weeks and um, women become super exhausted because of that. So mm-hmm. if you're thinking about a stretch and sweep, I'd just say to inform yourself about the pros and cons and discuss that with your midwife before yeah. um, before you do it. But, you know, it's very, it's also very individual because one woman can have a stretch and sweep go into labor within a few hours and then one woman can have multiple stretch and sweeps and end up needing to be or end up being induced. So it just just depends on your body. Yeah, for sure. So this is a random question I just thought of because of that. Um, I I had irritable uterus from 36 weeks to when I was induced. Mm-hmm. Could that have yeah. been triggered from sex? Like, or is that unlikely? Um, it's probably, I wouldn't say that it's like irritable uterus. Sometimes it just occurs and there's not really uh, a reason for it. Sex, yeah. um, it could not, not really because, the reason why it's irritated when we do a stretch and sweep is because we, um, it's quite invasive. You know, we try to yeah. stretch your cervix open as much as we can, whereas sex, it's more so it would just sort of be maybe touching the cervix. It wouldn't be doing much to aggravate it or irritate it. Yeah, okay. So I might yeah. have just been unlucky. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <funny. laughs> Hopefully not next time, you know, fingers crossed. Doing one of those stretch and sweeps. Yeah. And you can feel the baby's head. What does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. is, that, is that common? Yeah. Um, most of the time we will be able to feel the baby's head when we do a stretch and sweep mm-hmm. because um, baby's head is quite low in the pelvis if, well, Usually, if it's your first baby, your he- the baby's head will be quite low in your pelvis before you go into labour. Mm-hmm. So we, it's very normal for us to feel the head because it's just the presenting part of your baby that's in your pelvis. And mm-hmm. the thing that's protecting, you know, your baby or that's holding your baby up or keeping your baby in that position is your cervix. So yeah. if we are able to get through your cervix, it's open enough then we'll be able to feel your baby's head yeah. most likely. Cool. Yeah. I remember that. Mm. See, I got um, one stretch and sweep done and it was the day before I was induced. They just told me they were going yeah. to induce me um, the following yeah. day and they just said, mm-hmm. if you like, we'll give you this to see if you go naturally overnight or anything. And I didn't, yeah. um, but yeah. when I was induced, I didn't need any gel. They just broke my water yeah. right away. So. That's- good yeah maybe the stretch and sweep did something and i also did the whole prepare thing with the walks i mm. always like to walk with yeah. me to keep him low as well so yeah yeah who knows yeah it's really good especially for your first baby to be able to just break your waters that's yeah. good yeah love that <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, oh, okay. Next, next controversial question. What yeah. are your thoughts on intervention and pain relief? Mm-hmm. Again, I think I support every woman. So whichever choice they, whatever they want, um, really I support. Yeah. I think that in terms of pain relief, you know, um, gas is 
good. It helps. I think the main thing with using gas is that it encourages women to focus on their breath mm. because they it requires you to take deep breaths in and out during your contraction to get the full effect of the nitrous. Yeah, so, definitely. So um, I think that that really helps women to focus on their breathing, which is a positive. Yeah. Um, epidurals have their pros and their cons, just like everything does. Mm-hmm. Um, for some women, it really helps their body to relax and open up and dilate. And for yeah. other women, if they were close to having their baby, then it could possibly prolong their labor. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very individual. With, with an epidural, you have, you're at a higher risk of further intervention only because you can't feel where you're pushing with your epidural. So when it's time to push, you can't necessarily feel. You don't have that sensation of mm-hmm. knowing where you're pushing which is really hard to comprehend but when it's completely numb and you're trying to push you some women don't effectively push they do it sometimes they'll do it the opposite and they'll be like keeping the baby there so that can yeah so that can cause um further interventions you know via forceps or vacuum or cesarean but yeah not always it's just a it's just a percentage you know like it's just that you're at higher risk of this it's not the case for every woman obviously yeah lots of women have epidurals and they birth their baby beautifully it just depends on you yeah for sure yeah yeah Yeah. um and then pain relief the other option would be morphine which has its benefits um and it also has its I guess it's pros and cons, like everything does. Mm-hmm. Um, the morphine works, it's more of a sedative effect for the woman. It makes you a bit more sleepy. Did you have morphine? You wouldn't have had morphine. No, no, I didn't. No. I've got a friend that did though. Yeah. 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 Some women find it helps them a lot just to be a bit more relaxed during their contractions. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't take the pain away. It just, tends to make women a bit more um, concerned by the contractions and a little, like they're not as, sorry, they're a little less concerned by the contractions because they're feeling more tired. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, just depending also the the timing of when you have the morphine, it can, if you're further along in your labour, it can affect baby as well. But we always will, assess the woman before we give morphine to make sure that um they're not going to have their baby relatively quickly yeah yep okay that makes sense as well yeah I didn't get to I I definitely considered morphine um but I didn't get to have morphine um I only did the gas and I loved the gas like you said it was so so I I probably had it halfway through and when I first and there's like a level I don't know. Yeah. That's what my midwife said. And she said it was, she put it only halfway up and I did get a bit nauseous yeah. when I first used it. Um, yeah. But it, I'm just not a very good breather. So it really helped me like breathe and that was really helpful. Yeah. But then that leads me to the next part. Is there a certain time when pain relief methods are not allowed? Because for my labor, they took the gas away from me as I was pushing, like I wasn't allowed to use the gas anymore. So then I had no pain relief whilst pushing. Yeah. 
Um, is that common? Yeah. I think it's for um, the pain relief options. So it, for pain relief during, so we call it like when, when you're pushing essentially or you're giving, you're about to have your baby, mm -hmm. um, we tend to say not to use the gas anymore only because we want you to be focused on pushing and you don't necessarily breathe that you don't breathe like you would during a contraction yeah. when you're pushing. True. So that's why we recommend not using the gas. Mm -hmm. um, women can say, no, I want to use the gas, and that's completely fine. Yeah. Um, but we would recommend that you um, don't use the gas just because we want you to be completely focused on pushing rather than breathing through your contractions yeah. during the stage of when you're pushing your baby. And is there a... Um, Oh, sorry. You mm. go. Um, and then I was just going to say for like a, for epidural, um, usually there's not, there really isn't a set time. So we would recommend, you know, with an epidural, if we think you're close to having your baby, we have, or I have a discussion with a woman and say, I think you're close to having a baby. Would you like me to do an assessment? So you can know how close you are to having your baby, and if you are close to having a baby, will that change your will that change your decision? Yeah. And if it if a woman says yes, if I'm close to having my baby, I won't have the epidural. Then that's fine. If they say no, it won't change my decision. I will want the epidural either way. Mm -hmm. We just say okay, we'll get we'll call you know we'll start setting we'll set it all up. We'll call the anaesthetist, and then um. If the anaesthetist comes quickly, then she'll have the epidural before she has a baby. But yeah, I guess the only time a woman definitely couldn't or wouldn't be able to have an epidural is if she was if she was literally pushing a baby and the head was coming because she wouldn't be able to sit still for an epidural. <laughs> yes, so yeah. true. I don't know how people <laughs> do sit still for an epidural. Like I, I can imagine yeah. in the beginning, in the early stages or active like, yeah. oh, yeah, but as soon as you get to yeah. that that stage, oh, no. Mm. <laughs> um, and it tends to be um, when women are transitioning. I don't know if you've heard of transition, but um, it's usually between around when women are about seven to nine centimetres dilated. Women yeah. go through a transition phase where they um, feel like they can't do it anymore. They don't want to have the baby. They just want us to pull the baby out. Um, <laughs> yep. They don't have the pain relief on board. They're like, I can't do it. I want to go home. I'm leaving. And that's very normal. And that shows, that's a good sign to us that like a woman is close to having her baby yeah. when that happens. I definitely yeah, had that feeling. Will, yeah, yeah. And that's usually when women will, if they've been coping really well throughout, that's usually when women will ask for an epidural. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always have a discussion with the woman about that. And then if they still want the epidural, that's their choice. I'll get, you know, I'll organise that for them. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's just all reminding me of my labor. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> when I went to that point, it was, um, I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, just kill me now. I don't want to be here. Yeah. And then I then I asked for um, pain relief. The, um, what's it called? The 
the thing that the needle one. Oh, the water sterile water injection. No, no, um, just the normal uh, morphine. That's the word. I just oh morphine. Yeah, yeah. So I got to that stage where yeah I couldn't take it anymore, and I was like, this is so hard. So then I asked for morphine, um, and yeah. then that's when my midwife was like, no stuff. I don't think you need morphine. Like you, you know, everything's going mm. good. And then I was like, oh. Yeah okay, no worries. And I think you're right. Yeah. I might have been in that transitional stage because less than an hour later, Nate was in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like you definitely were in that phase, Yeah. Um, that transition phase. And it, sometimes it just helps to have, sometimes women, if you're not sure what's going on and you feel like this is not normal, I should not be feeling like this, just to have your midwife say, this is normal. This is what we expect to happen. It gives women lots of relief yeah. to know that it's actually a normal thing yeah. and that it's a good sign. Definitely. Um, yeah. I usually, you know, I, I always have a conversation with a woman when, when I'm looking after her about what her birth plan is, especially if I'm looking after her while she's in labour. Mm. If she can have a conversation with me about her birth plan, I will have it with her. If not, I'll have it with her partner and if not, I can't have it with him, I will have a look in her notes and see what she's written. Yeah. Some women will have um, a set birth plan and some women will just say, I'm just going with the flow, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, if someone tells me that they definitely don't want an epidural and then they ask for an epidural, I, I usually say to them, okay, you're telling me now you don't want an epidural. If you really want an, like if you ask me for an epidural during your labor, I'll wait until you ask me three times. And then yeah. if you've asked me three times, I'll, I will set up, like I'm not going to hold it from you. Yeah, that's um, nice. And I'm not going to talk you out of it. And then at least say no before that. And some women will say, I want an epidural. I want an epidural. I want an epidural, like all at once. And yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll get, you know, I'll set that up for you. Yeah, I um, like that. I'm not about holding pain relief back from women. If you know that's not that's their choice. Yeah, not my choice. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So next thing I want to ask is, do you have any Instagram pages that you would recommend to our mama audience? Yeah, I can think of one um, off the top of my head um, mm -hmm. that is really. It, she doesn't post as much on it now, but she, there's a lot of posts that you can read and go back and read. It's called Peace with Birth. Yeah. And um, it's, it's run by a midwife. Um, and, yeah, she, she posts lots of evidence-based information about pregnancy and childbirth. So that's a really helpful page yeah awesome cool I love that I'll tag them in one of my posts on the mommy mayhem podcast to share them with yeah, you all as well yeah that's um, the best, I think the most important like if you have any questions just I'd, I'd just suggest writing them down and asking your midwife at one of your appointments yeah. um, about them yeah very and very good advice some research yourself about anything you know if you have any questions or you're not too sure about something that's being recommended, do your research and know that you have your, it's your choice what you want. We mm -hmm. recommend things, but 
um, you have the choice and it's your care. It's not, you know, what we say is what has to happen. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, you make that informed decision yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially during this time period for anyone who's, um, you know, pregnant now or is due to give birth um, during the COVID-19, you can Google the Queensland health guidelines for um, perinatal care during the COVID-19 and there's a guideline on there that specifies, you know, what's recommended for antenatal care, labour and birth, postnatal care. Um, and, yeah, that'll give you a bit more information but also asking your the midwife at your hospital what their changes have been. Yeah. That's really helpful information. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, that's pretty much um, all of the questions I have for you. Actually, one more, one more. What, yeah. what advice do you have for any new mummers listening right now? Um, my advice would be to be the forerunner in your care, to be the one that makes the decision to take ownership in your pregnancy, your labour your, and your postnatal period and mm -hmm. be, just know that um, you are very much um, not allowed but you should be in control of your labour, you know, of all of your pregnancy care. So yeah. I'd say, you know, knowing that it's okay to to have what you know to be informed and to know what you want um to happen i guess or what you want to have um or what you want to do during your pregnancy and during your labor and birth knowing that that's okay and knowing that you are able to be in control is um i guess one of the most important things um yeah. if you um, uh, you know, say if you're just finding out that you're pregnant or you're, you're early on in pregnancy and you're trying to decide where you want to go or what sort of care you want to have, um, I'd recommend looking into, you know, if you're on the Gold Coast, there's the, um, at the Gold Coast Uni Hospital, they have the birth center, which you can, which is free for all women to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, there's a wait list, obviously, because it's a very good um, model of care and lots of women want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. But if you just Google, like, the Gold Coast University Hospital Birth Centre, there will be a number that comes up and you can call them, you leave your information and your estimated due date. And if you get a position, they'll call you back. And what it just means is um, you have your own midwife during your labour and birth and you, um, I guess, you they work within a group. So you'll either have your midwife or you may have someone in their group, but they will see you throughout your um, antenatal time. They'll see you for labour and birth and then postnatally for six weeks as well. They'll come and visit you at home. Oh, I love so it's that. It's a really good, yeah, it's a really good model of care to be in if, you, if you've just found out you're pregnant or even if you're planning to, like if you're thinking you're going to have a baby soon, to mm -hmm. be aware of that. And then obviously there's the private 
the private midwives if you have the money to yeah. to invest in your care then that's a good option as well but um it's it is expensive so it's obviously not for everyone Mm, definitely mm. oh all right thank you so much for sharing um that's okay and i'm so happy that you came on and gave us a midwife's perspective so <laughs> yeah again thank you i've learned so much and i'm just so grateful for you and every midwife and what they do so mm. yeah thank you for having me no worries This week's shout out of the week goes to a small local business called Inspire Me Naturally. This is a eco-friendly and cruelty-free store and is focused on wellness. So I love the products already. The owner is a mum of four as well. So I love supporting local mummers. Also, the products smell so good. I've gone and got a botanical bath and body oil jasmine smelling this one's a little gift for me all around self-care i definitely recommend i'm going to use it tomorrow when ricky gets home gonna do a little body massage get a little intimate why not right why not but you can also just drop it into your bath with some rock salt crystals that i also have as well um, and then you can have a full relaxation experience. So yeah, definitely re recommend checking them out. I'll post their Insta page on my socials. Um, but yeah, make sure you're supporting local businesses right now and always. That one, once again, is Inspire Me Naturally. At the moment, you can shop online as well, which I love. And I also got this cute little note saying add these pink Himalayan salt crystals to your bath with the oil because self-care isn't selfish. Love, Chloe. Isn't that so sweet? Love it. I'll tag her in socials if you want to place an order. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you took value from this, I would love for you to share it on your socials, leave a review, um, give us five stars. <laughs> Even just send us a DM on Instagram at the Mummy Mayhem Podcast. We really love our audience and what we love most is that we get to interact with you in real life. So thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Say bye-bye.